Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. The other day, I was working in a school, and as I was walking down the hallway, the principal asked if I wanted to stop into some classrooms. I said, sure, that'd be great. So he introduced me to a group of students, and as I walked in the room, one of the students raised their hand and asked me, hey, are you on the radio? (laughs) I was in a middle school, and I said, no, no, I'm not on the radio. But the teacher asked me to explain to the students who I was and what I did. And when I was all finished explaining what my job was and why I was there, the teacher said, hey, kids, I listen to Mr. Knightsky's podcast. And that same kid shot his hand back up again. This time, the teacher called on him, and he said, wait, you're the Buffalo story guy. I said, yes, that's me. I felt kind of strange because you don't really meet a lot of people who listen to your podcast in classrooms. And that's when he said, hey, you are on the radio because my mom makes us listen to you. I started to laugh when I heard him say, makes us listen to you. Then I had another kind of surreal moment when that student said, hey, your kids sound kind of cool. And your wife sounds just like my mom because my mom's a teacher. And we all like the summer version of her the best. He then said, I like your stories. When I started the Smart Thinking Podcast, it was as a result of a nudge I received from a teacher in her mid-20s. I had just finished doing a keynote address at a high school in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, and she was like, hey, you need to do two things. One, I love your Summer Megan story, and I need to hear more about that. And two, I wish you had a podcast so I could hear more of your stories. Well, as you know, if you listen each week, I have a lot of stories, and that is also the focus of this week's episode. You see, it was that young teacher's nudge that got me into podcasting and telling these stories so that we could learn and grow from the experiences that I've shared with so many, and then bring processes to problems. So I want to do some smart thinking on the intentional use of stories to teach, build empathy, grow relationships, and finally, support greater connectivity in your world. As leaders, We are obligated to support those around us and to create the conditions to fuel others' willingness to be their best and to support them as leaders because anyone with influence is a leader and we have influence and we need to use it to support those around us all of the time. We need to make certain that people can take risks, fail fast, and position themselves to be the best version of themselves. And too often what gets in our way It's that we just don't know the story of the person in front of us. The story of the person in front of us. The story behind the decision made by the person in front of us. The story about the journey to the point that we're standing at with the person in front of us. And we fail to understand because we don't have a process or an idea of how to learn their story or the story. Many times, what gets in our way is the simple fact that we just don't create the conditions that allow for the story to be told, or we're too busy to spend time on something like sharing our experiences. Well, I'm here to tell you that without the story, without a sense of commonality or fellowship, you're not going to get the outcomes that you or others desire because they'll spend most of their time trying to figure out all of the people around them and what motivates them, what their values are, and What's their purpose? I mean, have you ever thought about why we love books and films and TV shows and plays and music? Why the same formulas seem to work over and over and over again in those different genres? (laughs) Especially on the Hallmark Channel. 
It's because we all love a good story. We like to admire others, to look for shared experiences, interests, ideas, and fantasies that take us away from our reality, but give us common purpose. In our leadership and lives, we need to create the conditions and opportunities for stories to be told and for others to be safe sharing them. There's some really cool science behind this, but before I get into that science, I want to share with you, yep, you guessed it, a couple stories. Whenever I coach or present, I want to create the social conditions very quickly around me so that people are willing to take risks and be vulnerable. And most of the time when I'm with others, I try to model first being vulnerable, and that is always through stories. However, I also have a lot of different activities that I will use to allow us to grow connections quickly. I'm often in environments where people have worked together for a while and there are long-term colleagues in the room as well as new people who barely know anyone. Now, I love the opportunities that are presented when you have new and established people in a room together because so often they have created narratives in their heads about each other. Others are sometimes focused on the reputation of others because they're new and many times we are simply afraid to approach veteran staff or colleagues. The same stands true for kids in schools. It takes a lot of courage for varying groups to approach each other. That is, unless they've shared something together, like a story or an experience, and found some common ground. So here's what I did and what I do. I asked everyone in a room a couple weeks ago to introduce themselves and share their name, their job, and when they were in high school and where they went to high school and the first concert they ever attended. It was a room of about 40 people. And yeah, it takes a little while, but it's worth it. Because everyone is trying to see if they have something in common with the people around them. And it's because we share our stories. Well, people would disclose where they went to high school and someone across the room would yell out, Hey, my favorite burger place is in that town. And then they'd ask, Do you know my aunt and uncle? And then when we would have a break, they'd connect out in the hallway or in the corner of a room and they'd have all this newfound knowledge about each other and all of the shared experiences that they had without each other together but yet universally shared away from each other. And then as a result, they would establish a new level of trust and empathy for each other. Why? Why? Because they rapidly shared a story and built a connection. But here was the really weird one that happened in that same room. Someone in the room who was about my age disclosed that their first concert was in Chicago in 1979. Actually, no, they weren't my age. They are a little older. But anyways, when they were in high school, they saw the band Sticks. Feeling a little old, that person said, well, many of you probably weren't born when I was at that concert in 1979. And then suddenly a hand shot up from a younger staff member, very close to them in proximity. And they said, can I go next? Can I please go next? And we're like, sure, sure. Just let them finish. So of course we went back and forth, which would, with what was your favorite song and all of that stuff. But then the next person, they wanted to share. So they shared, the younger person shared where they went to high school and then They almost vibrated out of their seat. They were so excited because they said, my first concert, my first concert was in 2009. And just like you, it was in Chicago and it was the band Styx. Now there was a 30 year age difference between these two concerts and probably the two people. And one had been routinely condescending to the other. They both looked at each other like, what? Wait, huh? The younger staff member explained how they grew up listening to Styx and Ario Speedwagon and other late 70s and early 80s rock bands and thought it would be really cool to see them in concert. Well, the veteran staff member said to the younger person across the room, 
I was at that same show in 2009. And then, as if no one else was in the room, the two of them started talking across the entire room and sharing what they thought of the show. And did you like it when this happened and when that happened? And we all kind of stood back and observed and laughed as these two, who had previously been standoffish, were now acting like a couple of lost thicks groupies who had been reunited in a high school library accidentally for the exclusive purpose of just talking about if Mr. Roboto was genius or junk. What's my point? Stories shared through process can speed trust, lower anxiety, build connectedness, and increase our capacity to be greater leaders. There's a ton of research around the use of stories to drive home the point, but more importantly, to connect people together. Think of this. When you travel, many times you will see people wearing clothing that have the name of their state, their favorite team, their favorite band. They always have to seem, they always have some sort of clothing item that identifies like who their tribe is. And as a result, people are projecting to the world who they are, where they're from, and what they like. It's like the title of their own personal book. Like, hey, I like this, so let's talk about it. It's almost an invitation. I mean, have you ever been far away from home and then suddenly there's someone with a t-shirt on from a town in your state or your favorite basketball team or football team or a college, university, or high school? And then you ask them where they're from and then the two of you feel comfortable in a strange environment far away from home because you don't even know this person, but you know where they're from. And because you know where they're from, suddenly you're trusting and sharing all kinds of details about each other's lives because you have this in common. This sounds really, really stuck up when I'm about to tell you, but it makes my point. I was in a restaurant in Rome, Italy, and a couple sitting next to my wife and I were eating and the guy had a Packer watch on and I noticed it. And I commented that, hey, that's my team. I'm a huge Packer fan. I live really close to them. He then asked me, where do you live? And the next thing I knew, we learned that we both lived back in the United States. Weirdly, we lived in the same state of Wisconsin. And even more strange, we only lived 10 miles from each other. He lived in the neighboring city. The comfort and trust that was immediately established by the two of us and our spouses as we were so far away from home led us to watch their stuff as they decided to go dance to music coming from the, the square. Now that's really weird. But when you think about it, it's because we shared a story. Now, if I was home back here in Wisconsin, I wouldn't have said a word to them because everybody's got Packer gear on. And I doubt they would have asked us to watch their stuff, kind of like being in the same room with the same people all the time. We look past what they can contribute or what we can learn from them. But if we ran into those same people a thousand miles away, we'd be best of friends and sharing all kinds of information. Yet too often, we are sitting around in our environments, comfortable, And we are forgetting the human need to connect. And that is easily done through one strategy, telling stories. The science behind stories is also powerful. And this is what I really want you to think about. When I was prepping for this, I was reading all different types of journal articles about the power of storytelling. And in the journal Psychology Today, they explained that storytelling can actually support your physical and mental health, as well as solidify your relationships and ability to collaborate with others. And here's exactly what they said. Every time you tell your story and someone else who cares about you bears witness to it or even knows you, 
you turn off your body's stress responses, flipping off the toxic stress hormones like cortisol and epinephrine and flipping on relaxation responses that release healing hormones like, like dopamine and nitric oxide and endor endorphins. <laughs> I struggle with that word, endorphins. Anyways, not only does this turn on the body's innate self-repair mechanisms and function as preventative medicine or treatment if you are sick, it also relaxes your nervous system and helps heal your mind of depression, anxiety, fear, anger, and feelings of disconnection. As we are constantly looking to address all of the anxiety and nervousness that is occurring in our lives, we have now found another strategy. Storytelling. Stories create connections, but they, they also allow us to build trust with others. Being vulnerable is a critical component to building strong relationships and increasing your influence. When you share with others, they see you. I mean, they really see you. They learn about you, the reason you are the way you are and why you make the decisions you make. They, they hear the fabric of your history and learn to see you for you. They also find joy, connectedness, reduce their tension and stress, and most importantly, find commonality in our own community. But it also goes the other way. When you create the conditions for others to tell stories, it builds empathy, trust, allows others to step in to support weaknesses, and we learn where people can truly be seen for their strengths and contributions. All of our stories have drama, and that is what others love. The stories are like headlines in our day. Things like this, like when I was a kid, when my boyfriend broke up with me, we all love the juicy details. And as a result, as a result of your ability to tell stories, you must also look for the story that allows you to grow those around you. Because stories have a lot of power. First, they allow us to connect emotionally with others. Second, once we have an emotional bond with those around us, we can grow trust. And once we are connected and we trust, we can confront the narratives in our own minds which prohibit many of us from working with others in a truly powerful way. If we can do these things, then we can heal when we fail. Stories allow us to build upon our own history, and more importantly, they allow us to increase our own wisdom. So, how then do we as leaders create the conditions so that others will tell a story? First, recognize that most people don't like to talk, especially about themselves, to others that they don't know very well, and they're not all good at telling stories. Many are not comfortable because they believe they're not good at telling those stories, or they don't even think they have a story to tell. Our job as leaders is to spark the story and create the conditions to do so through a process. Stories need to be told to explain change, and too often leaders come rolling into meetings with PowerPoints and they drone on about what the data says. Well, you know what? Data doesn't have a heartbeat, so it needs a story behind it, and that way we can emotionally engage in whatever changes you need us to make. But the story behind the data is also important, and the people found within all of those points is even more critical. A face with a dot, a well-described need for a change, a story of success or heartbreak, all of that will emotionally engage everyone and serve as a call to action. In your workplace or classroom, you are the leader, and it is your job to both facilitate stories and tell the stories. I'm going to break this down for you, and we'll have a process guide in this week's TH3. So, when you think about this, there are two parts to telling stories. Telling it and hearing it. So, let's look at the best ways to make sure that your stories can be heard. First, remember you can't assume everyone around you can actually tell stories, so you need to create processes, and here's one. 
tips for telling stories. First, get their attention. Explain why it's important, of what the nature is and what's going on and how it's personal for you and why this happened. Second, set the mood or the tone. Make certain that you share the details behind what is going on and create mental images that are relevant and relatable. Third, allow others to imagine elements of the story. Don't go so deep in everything that they can't even imagine any parts of the story because once they engage their imagination, well, it allows them to envision what happened or why. And that creates a clear mental picture and it will increase both relevance and retention of the information. And finally, the fourth one, use normal language, language that is applicable and seemingly everyday. Don't use words no one can understand. Now, tips for collecting stories? Well, the key to creating comfort around storytelling is to make sure that others feel relaxed and the prompts are culturally relevant. In other words, everyone can use whatever your prompt is. So bring little prompts to your staff meetings, to your classroom, to your gatherings. And remember before when I asked two questions about where you went to high school and a concert you attended? Well, almost everyone can share those two things, and the people who have never been to a concert are likely going to be invited to one by someone else in the room who goes to them constantly. But the questions are applicable to your audience. You don't walk into a room and ask everyone to name their favorite restaurant in Cincinnati if you live in San Francisco because you're making an assumption they've all been there. Instead, you just simply ask everyone, if you were to plan a meal for yourself that is your favorite food, what would be on the table? You give them a couple minutes, you have them share out, and suddenly you find out that there's all kinds of people in the room who share the exact same things. Collect stories by buying things on Facebook or Amazon like chat packs and by providing simple check-in questions, by playing games, by teaming people up so that they can make up stories, by always having a bank of seemingly endless, insignificant topics that can spark connections in ways we've never imagined. The first car you learned to drive on, where you got your first kiss, any of those different pieces. Now, what song was played at your graduation ceremony? What band was the first that you bought their music with your own money? Were you ever in the newspaper? And if so, for what? You see, there are a million ways to tell your story, to collect stories, and they don't have to be novels. But if you can create a culture where people are willing to share their story, you will create a culture charged with risk, willing to take chances, willing to come together, and most importantly, a team of people willing to write a story together. Fellowship comes from having something in common. Risk comes from trust. Trust comes from shared experiences. And if we have not yet done something together, we can speed our shared experiences through shared life experiences that we discover from telling each other's stories. Go tell your story. Be vulnerable and model for others how to share. Sharing, after all, is how we tighten the fabric that bonds us. And if we are going to charge into the storm together, we got to be tightly woven as a team. So let's do some smart thinking. List the best storyteller in your life and reflect on what makes them so good at it. Describe a strategy you can employ to grow connectedness through stories. And finally, list how you can support others sharing their stories. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening and please rate and share this episode. Also, please recognize that I appreciate every week that you listen and I'm very grateful for all that you do in the service for everyone around you. And of course, 
don't forget to listen to that great band, The Well Pennies, because we're very grateful that they allow us to use their music. Now, to close out, I learned the power of storytelling when I took a risk as a young principal. Young is the key term for me here as I reflect back. I was 30 years old and the principal of a school of a thousand students. I, back then, like now, had a lot of energy. I was able to visualize, as I am now, very quickly where I want to go and how to get there. And I wanted to improve fast and was not very interested in a lot of what had happened in the past, as I am a forward-moving person. It's kind of ironic for a history teacher, right? But after a few months, I found myself on a shrinking island with less people supporting me and with people questioning my motivation, my leadership, my abilities, and my skill. It became very lonely very quickly, but I had put myself there. I had been quite popular as a teacher in my classroom and in my first administrative job just before I'd gotten this one, I was evaluated pretty strongly by the parents, students, and staff. And suddenly, suddenly I found myself on an island I had not been on before. I was filled with doubt. I I couldn't build consensus and frankly was feeling defeated and worse, deflated. One day, I confided in one of the older teachers and he changed my entire mindset with a simple comment. He said to me, nobody knows your story. You spend all of your time asking us what we want and who we are, and then you proceed to institute change based upon that, but but we don't know you. Boom. She was right. I spent the weekend leading up to the next week thinking about how much I wanted to share about my life and my background and who I was. And then, well, I decided to share it all. So on Monday... I started by going to each of the 13 teams at their weekly meeting and asking for permission to tell them a story. I shared how I personally struggled through middle school because of my family dynamics and the hurdles we had faced and how I was failing through most of my early years of high school in class and life and how I worked multiple jobs and had setbacks in college and at one point had to step away from school to earn the money to pay back the classes I had already taken. But then how teachers had played a great role in my development, and that is why I ended up going into education. I shared why I was impatient for change, because I saw many of the kids in the building as miniature versions of of me and myself, and I, I found it difficult to have empathy for certain types of teachers because I was not an A student when I was young, and that often triggered a very dark part of me because I could not really work well with teachers who were vindictive towards kids. After this, Everything changed. I like to think that many of the staff built empathy and became supportive, and some others were simply unforgiving for what I had done to that point. But the majority of the staff, they began to then tell me their stories, and I learned how many of them had things in common with me and how many of us had shared experiences, and that that taught me the power of being vulnerable. It also taught me, and hopefully you, that when we represent change, When we lead and when we are charged with the future of others, we have to be willing to put it out there so that everyone around us has the chance to connect with us and create the synergy and confluence so that we can move forward in the service of others. And when it's starting to rain, get ready to charge into the storm. Life life is nothing but a collection of stories, stories shared by us and lived by us. The lessons, the heartache, the love, the struggles, our first concert, they define us. And the more we can share them, the more we become relevant and real in the lives of others. The science is clear. Storytelling reduces worries, anxieties, and increases the pleasure we can experience in work and life. This, in the end, well, it's what we want. 
We want that so that each of us can live a great story filled with the support and collaboration of everyone we ever meet because they're all, they're all part of our narrative. I know you've been blue I miss the way you do So drop your disguise And lift those tired eyes And love, leave it be Wait and see Under a meteor shower Make such a sound Up and down Play it a little bit louder in 